is indeed worthy of your praise. Just lift your hands and give him praise. Tell him, Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Father, I love you. Father, I appreciate you. Express your heart to him. Express your heart to him. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. That we should rejoice and be glad in it. Just give him praise. Give him praise today. Say, Lord, as I come before you today, I desire to receive your word, to be taught your word. Lord, open your word to me, O oh God. I am a product of your word, and I open up to the receipt of your word in my life today. Talk to him. Glory be to God. Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for this opportunity you have given us to come to be taught your word. Because you desire us to grow, you desire us to know you, you desire a better walk with you for us. And so glorious God, we ask today that you help us, that your word will be unfolded to us, O God, and this word will convey to us the wisdom intended, O God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, precious God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, chosen vessel. Please bring out your Bibles. Let's take our Bible affirmation. Hallelujah. Say with me, this is my Bible. It is God's inner and unchanging word. It is my most valuable earthly possession. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I hide his words in my heart that I might not sin against God. The Bible is God talking to me personally. I therefore listen to it carefully and do it fully. And I internalize it in my life by doing these four things. Know it in my head by diligent study. Store it in my heart by memorization and meditation. Show it in my life by doing its teachings. And so it in my world by being a witness hereafter. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never in the name of Jesus for his honor and glory both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Please you may be wonderfully seated and help me welcome your brother, your sister to church this evening. Greet somebody. Amen. You're welcome this evening. Now, we're continuing from where we stopped last week in our study. And uh, who can remind us what we're looking at? Spiritual transformation. And last week we said we're going to look at three reasons Three key reasons why you must grow. Three key reasons why you must grow. Three key reasons why you must be interested in the word of God. Our text is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 2. 
I'm going to read from the King James Bible, and I'm also reading from the Passion Translation. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. And I have, I have fed you with milk, not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear, neither yet now are ye able. The Passion Translation puts it this way. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with solid food, for of more advanced teachings, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food. Amen. Praise the Lord. I've been pointing out to us repeatedly the three classifications we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. That in a church setting, in a church gathering like this, you have believers who are just born again. They are infants. They are babes in Christ. You have another set of believers who think that chronology is synonymous to growth. When did you get born again? I got born again in 1980. And ever since I got born again, I have not missed any church service, any teaching meeting, any prayer meeting. Yet, in their lives, they are still dominated, like the Bible says, by the mindset of the flesh. It's interesting. There are those that the Bible describes as being carnal. And of course, there are those that the Bible describes as pursuing unto maturity, which it describes as spiritual. They are manifesting Christ-likeness in their lives. Generally in church, when you and I got born again, the Bible describes us as babes. You are born again as a babe. And the Bible says we should desire the sincere milk of the word so that we will grow thereby. As we desire the sincere milk of the word, we begin to cause forth changes in our lives from the inside. The Bible speaks of us renewing our minds by the word of God. And as this begins to take place, we receive the word, we do the word, not just obey. You, you receive the word and you carry out what you have seen or what you have received of the Lord. You live by that word. The word of God becomes the final authority in your life. The word of God, it doesn't matter how you feel about the thing or what your thoughts and thinking had been. Your thoughts and thinking is subject to what the word of God says concerning that matter. And I said here, where Christians refuse to grow, they are either remaining as babes in Christ. In fact, at that stage, you can't really call them babes because they, are, they, are, they, are, they have had arrested growth. They have refused to grow. And as a result of that, all kinds of canalities begin to manifest. Three things the Bible describes 
that will be the lot of such people. And that is those three things I want to stress on within this season of this teaching. The fact that if you refuse to grow and choose to remain as a babe in Christ, your ability to effectively utilize or apply the word of God will be deficient. Will be deficient so that when you get into trouble, when you are challenged, when you fall into a temptation or a need arises in your life, you won't know how to go about it. Meanwhile, there are specific provisions in Scripture on dealing with specific challenges. And that is why we find ourselves running from pillar to post. Somebody tells you if you fast, lifting your leg up like this, and uh, you'd stand, you can stand like that for one hour in prayer, God will hear you. And because you don't know better, you too, you go and stand. And it is that day you are standing that wind will blow so much that you won't be able to stand. Even for one hour. Or they will say you must fast in a particular way. You begin to seek to fast in that particular way because you don't know your left from your right. You apply the blood of Jesus. When it appears as if the blood is not working, you bring, uh, what else do we do? Anointing oil. Thank you. Some people will go and buy a drum of anointing oil or look for holy oil or look for holy water all around. There are other things we do. What are some of those things we do? Ordinary. <laughs> of course. Then you will pray, pray in the name of Jesus. Maybe the name of Jesus is not enough. Let me add fire. After you have done fire, it's not answering. Ah, it is settled. Have you not been hearing it in your places of prayer? Hello. But it is scripture. Jesus said, when you pray in my name, it's enough. Is somebody listening to me? And some of us even go, don't let me get into those dimensions this night. But you need to understand this thing so that you will know that this is the principle I must apply from the word of God to take care of this matter. This is how I must comport myself. These are the scriptures that are required for me to gain the victory that I've been given or for me to realize the victory that I've been given over the circumstance. And having done all that you need to do in that line, you stay knowing that these things will work. It takes conviction. It takes understanding to be able to apply the right principle, the right word required for any particular moment. You sleep, you wake up, and somebody came and uh, put hand into your eyes. And you woke up, the eyes is swollen. Hey, they have come again. You begin to run. It's because you don't know your rights. You don't know your left from your right. What has the word of God said? And all that wicked woman or wicked man on your street say, you, I will show you. Hey, my own don't finish. Is that not how we behave? One scripture says you won't even remember because you have not stored any in your heart. And as a result, you are the subject, you are the mercy of all the vagaries all around. A child of God that has refused to grow will not know how to effectively utilize the word of God. So it's important that you know how to grow. And guess what? There are people attached to you. Your children are attached to you. Your family is attached to you. If you, as a head of the home, 
don't know what to do, how to go about. It means that you have mortgaged the destiny of all those people that are depending on you. So it becomes important that you make up your mind. Whatever it takes, I will grow. Growth is not the same thing as being in a church for 10 years. Growth is not the same thing as being in every service. They're important. But beloved of God, growth requires more. It requires work. It requires a desire. It requires diligence. Praise the Lord. The second thing we want to look at today, why you must make up your mind to grow. A child of God that is not growing can never be able to effectively receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit, not to talk of benefiting from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because in the first place, when you are in the face of trouble, if you have not grown to the point that in which you have exercised yourself over time, what is the mind of God in this? Holy Spirit, what do you have to say? When you have not learned to ask Holy Spirit, what do you have to say? What is your direction? How do you want me to go in this matter? And expect him to answer you. Is it when the fire is burning that you remember one Holy Ghost somewhere? Hello, somebody. That is why this is the time. This is time to build that strength so that you will be able to effectively benefit from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's where I want to look, focus on today. The Bible says that those that are carnal in the church, what are their signs? What are their manifestations? I said here, a carnal believer in Christ is one, according to this scripture, controlled by fleshly desires, his wants, his passion, rather than by the Spirit of God. Because he's carnal, he cannot benefit from the He cannot receive, make room for, or benefit from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. While it is, what is distressing and even embarrassing, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, is that what are some of the signs that Apostle Paul talks of that manifest in carnal believers? You'll be surprised to see. It's not, he didn't even mention sexual sin, which is bad enough. But look at the things he said. There are those that create divisions in church. There are those that jam the heads of two brethren together. It's a where they form factions, where they form groupings in church. Me, oh, I support pastor this. Me, I support pastor that. As for whenever pastor so and so preaches, he doesn't bless me. It's only pastor so and so that blesses me. As a matter of fact, pastor so and so is my pastor, Joe. All the others, the Bible says you are carnal. I will still come back to that later. But look at this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If indeed you are born again, if indeed you are desirous of growth or growing, you are growing, it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, it says, seek those things which are above, which Christ, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. He says, set your affections on things above. You have to desire to know. You have to desire to experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life in order for you to be able to make room for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. So that when the trouble comes, your default action is, Holy Spirit, what do I do here? How do I go? And you wait 
expecting him to speak to you. And no action, no decision is taken until he has given you an headline on what to do. It takes faith to wait. It takes growth. It takes maturity to know that he will speak to you. Are you following me? Let me read it from the New Living Translation. It says, since you have been raised to a new, to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Not on what you are seeing. Not that you want to seek to be contemporary in your dressing like they are dressing. Exposing things they shouldn't expose. Walking in ways, talking in ways that you have no business talking with. Ways that grieve the spirit of God in you. Dressing in particular. What, 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 what are you selling? All these are signs of carnality. Praise the Lord. It says, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Don't be regulated by what is going on around you. Let the mindset of heaven be your mindset. And in order for you to be able to think the things of heaven or set your sights on the things of heaven, beloved of God, you must have a knowledge, a working knowledge of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life as a child of God. And so, a carnal believer cannot receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? When Jesus was about to go in the upper room, he took time to teach his apostles, his disciples, what the Holy Spirit will do. And I just want to quickly, in a nutshell, in a summary form, go through a few of those things that Jesus gave. So that when you know this, you expose yourself, you are expecting this. And as you expect these manifestations of the Spirit in your life, or manifestation of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life, they will come because of that expectation you have. If you don't expect, it's because you probably don't know. You don't know when even manifests, you won't even recognize to give him room. And as long as you do get to that point of not recognizing, beloved of God, there is no Christian growth without the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one that will interpret the word to you. Praise the Lord. The first, he said, John chapter 16, verse 8. He said, when he is come, that is the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Three things. When the Bible says the word reprove, reprove is to prove to the unbeliever the Holy Spirit convicts the unbeliever of sin, convicts the world. For you as a child of God, what makes you know when you have done something wrong is your conscience, the voice of your spirit that tells you this thing is wrong. For, for, for the unbeliever out there, it is the spirit of God that lets him know that, look, oh boy, you are a sinner. Your righteousness cannot save you. And the Spirit of God will point to him. It's like being in a law court. You are being cross-examined. The person that is examining you, the prosecutor, his objective is to let you know that you committed that offense. And so it brings all the evidence around to convince you that, look, oh boy, even though you think yesterday you are not guilty, in this matter, this, 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 you are guilty. And that is why when the word of God is being preached, there's an unction that goes with it, a convicting power that goes with it. 
So that when you receive the word of God, the Bible says they are hard bond within them. They are hard bond not because of the preacher. They are hard bond because of the influence of the Holy Spirit on the word. The prosecutor witness or the prosecutor general of heaven is prosecuting, is showing to the unbeliever that look, on your own you can't save yourself. It is Christ that can save you. That is why the Bible says reprove. But that same word can also be used for us. That is the first ministry of the Holy Spirit, the convicted. See, and so if you understand the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit, when you go to witness to a believer, it is not your business to try to show him that he's a sinner. No, no, no. Just say what Jesus said. Say what the Bible says. Leave the Holy Spirit to do the work of convicting. You can never convict or convict a man. It is the Spirit of God that breathes on the world and gives life to the world. And so when you are conscious of that truth, as you are witnessing to that your friend, to that unbeliever friend, Holy Spirit, give me the right words. Holy Spirit, you are talking, you are praying. You are talking, you are praying. You are talking, you are praying. Holy Spirit, give me the word that he will understand. Or give me the illustration that will enable this, my brother or this, my friend, to understand what I'm talking about. You are turning over the entire process to the Holy Spirit. And it might just be a phrase. It might just be a testimony you will give that will mean so much to that person. Something that doesn't mean anything to you. Suddenly, he sees it and he sees something in his life that points to that. And he will say, indeed, I need Jesus in my life. It is the Holy Spirit that does that. And you, the believer, you must turn over your life to that. In that same John chapter 16, verse 8, 10, and 11, I'm going to jump some parts and I'll read to us. It says, when he, the Holy Spirit, is come, he will reprove. Then he jumped to verse 10. He talks of, of righteousness. Of righteousness. He reproves the world of sin. But for us as Christians, he convinces us. He reproves us. As a prosecutor general of heaven, he comes to you and convinces you, reproves you of the fact that you have been made righteous. Beloved of God, let me tell you, our schooling, our environment, our upbringing tells us that we are sinners. And for some of us that even understand a bit, they say we are sinners saved by grace. And some people, when they go to God in prayer, whether it's sinful or humble, uh, how do they put itself? Somebody borrow me those, eh? Wretched sinner. Some Christians describe themselves like that. But no, the Holy Spirit will come and tell you, look, you are not, you were a sinner. But today you have been made righteous. Look, it takes the convicting power of the Holy Spirit for somebody who is born again now, who remembers the lie he told yesterday, and for you to say, bro, if you receive this message, and receive Jesus into your life as your Lord and personal Savior, you are God's righteousness. It takes the Holy Spirit for that person to believe. Do you, do you, do you, do you understand me? Especially, well, but I did this thing now. I am this now. I am this now. And somebody comes to tell you, in line with this word, you are righteous. You are the righteousness of God. It takes the Holy Spirit to make you understand. It takes the Holy Spirit to make you relate with it. It takes the Holy Spirit to make you receive it. 
Why? Because we have had, we have, I was shaped in sin. And in sin, this my mother conceived me. Yes, but the moment you give your life to Christ, his righteousness became your righteousness. That righteousness, the nature of God was imputed into you. Have you not been here? For three Sundays, I began to preach on righteousness. The last Sunday I was going to preach, concluding the sermon on righteousness, I asked somebody in front here, are you righteous? He said, no. I said, I was embarrassed. I moved to the next person. Are you righteous? I am not sure. Were you in church last week? Yes. Did you hear what was preached? Yes. So what happened? He's remembering that maybe yesterday he stole the meat that was not his own. He told a lie in his office. Forgetting that the nature that is in him the reason why he stole the meat, the reason why he told the lie is because he has not come to understand who he is in Christ. And as a result of that, that sin consciousness is pulling him down. Beloved of God, it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that tells you you are the righteousness of God in Christ. The Bible says God by his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are what? We are God's children. He said, anybody that does not have the spirit of Christ in him is what? He is none of his. One of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in that place is to convict you. Let me use that word of the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Is somebody listening to me? Can somebody say with me, I am righteous. Say it again. Okay, say it gently. Say gently. As you say it, allow your mind to run wild. Is there somebody here whose mind is saying, how can you say you are right? After all, uh, do you understand me? It takes the Holy Spirit to make you, to make one to understand that. That is why, when you understand the place of righteousness, you can stand and lift up holy hands unto God. What is righteousness? Righteousness is the nature of God. What is righteousness? The rightness of God. And the Bible knowing that you and I can never be righteous by whatever he did, he took what was in Christ and placed it in us. The Bible says when we, he died, we died with him. When he was raised up, we were raised up with him. When he was made to sit, we were made to be seated with him. If you don't understand and accept the ministry of the Holy Spirit in teaching you righteousness, in making you to understand that you are righteous before God, many, 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 many other truths of the scripture, you will not be able to accept it. And so, it is the Holy Spirit that does it. That is what Jesus tells us. The third ministry of the Holy Spirit, which I want to draw your attention to, these are things that you will need to know. So that every day, one way or the other, one or two of them, of them or three of them will, will just play up in your life. When they play up, you will be able to relate with it and accept this ministry and flow with it. Have you ever been in a situation in which you are walking? Oh, praise the Lord. Glory be to God. Jesus, you are good. How many of us have been in that situation? And they will ask you, what is it? Why are you saying that? Have you been there? Okay. Have you ever been in a situation 
where truly in your heart, you want to say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Thank you. And because of people around you, you are not able to say it. How many of us have been there? Oh, let's see. Thank you, pastors, for telling me. Do you understand? The reason why you are able to say, Jesus, I glorify you. Jesus, I love you. Oh, praise the Lord. And some of you are, what are you, what are you praising God for? Eh? What are you, oh, no, there's nothing. I don't have any. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. I love you. So some people, it sound embarrassing. Oh, you love, you love Jesus. What for? The reason why you are able to say it is because part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he will glorify Christ. Hello? He will always bring glory to Jesus. Let me read that scripture to us. John chapter 16, verse 14. Jesus said, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Look, by nature, the Holy Spirit does not point to himself. The Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. And the pointing to Jesus is to magnify Jesus, is to glorify Jesus. And so where the ministry of the Holy Spirit is working effectively in your life, where you have come to that understanding, it doesn't matter the badness of the situation. It doesn't matter how many people are around you who probably are anti-Jesus. You are in the cafeteria, for example. You go to Mamaput and you sit down to eat. Oh, Jesus, thank you. You, are, you, you say it unashamedly. You say it without uh, let or hindrance. You are walking in the office. You sit down, you are walking, you are walking. Suddenly you stop walking. Oh, glory, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Your ability to say that is because of the Holy Spirit that is in you. And beloved, you need to know this thing that I'm teaching you. So that when you are prompted, allow him to flow. Do you understand what I'm talking about? When you are prompted, allow him to flow. The prompting is not you. It is the origin of glory be to God. Jesus, I love you. It's not you. It is the Holy Spirit that is inside you. A carnal Christian will never get to that point. Why? Why should I glorify? Why should I say glory be to Jesus? Don't you see all these people that are around who don't know Jesus? Oh, I'm to show that I'm holier than them, Abby. Holier than thou. That is how you'll be thinking. What has Jesus done for me that I will glorify him? That is how, because the carnal mind will be thinking, he will say, my glass, the water is half. It is half empty. While all other people's glasses are full. My own is half what? Empty. He will not even recognize the fact that there is some water in the cup. What makes you to recognize some water in the cup? It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will glorify me. John 16, 14. I said here, yeah, the Holy Spirit seeks to glorify Jesus in every aspect of our lives, in our conversations, in our behaviors, in our relationships. He wants your lips to be filled all the time with Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When you see that happening in your life, what makes it possible for you to flow in it? is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
you must come to a point in which you understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit to that point. So that when you are in the midst of your friends who are not born again, you are in the midst of your friends who are not even as serious with God as you are. In your office as you are walking, and you, the wedding comes, the wedding comes. It might even be a worship song. You stop for a moment, and you begin to sing. While you are there quietly, you just begin to muse that song unto God. Do you understand what I'm talking about, church? Hello, hello, somebody. Look at me, look at me. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Hello? Spontaneous praise unto God. Spontaneous glorifying the name of the Lord Jesus. What makes that possible is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And when you see that in your life, beloved of God, it's in your interest to encourage that ministry. The ministry of thanksgiving. The ministry of glorifying Jesus. The ministry of singing a song abruptly to Jesus. Whether the people in your circle understand or don't understand. I want us to practice something now. Look up. Look up. Take your own song where you are sitting and sing to him. It's not a song of begging for something, no. It's a song of praise. Oh, yeah. Now this is me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. No, don't know that one. Hello? You understand me? Oh, yeah. Bro, are you doing it? I sing it. I said sing. I didn't say heart it. Sing. I want you to learn. Let us break the ice. Sing the song. Disturb your neighbor with it. Or oh, yeah, disturb your neighbor. You must learn now to learn. If in church, you cannot sing to disturb your neighbor. When you get to that mama put where you eat your lunch, and the song comes, will you be able to sing it? Oh yeah, sing, 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 sing now. Sing. I like the way our sister is singing. Everything is involved. She's moving with the rhythm. And so somebody will what has he done now? Tell me. Okay, as you are singing, as you are singing, stop at a point and say, thank you, Jesus. Stop and say, Jesus, thank you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. What am I doing? I am not teaching you a mechanical way. I am getting you set in a mold to be able to open up to the Holy Spirit at any time. You are in the BRT. You are standing you have been standing in the last two hours. There is traffic. God help you if you are wearing a high heel in the traffic. And as you stand there, everybody knows you have been standing. You know, instead of doing, ah, this country serve. Oh, ah. You know what, how our people do? They begin to talk like a transformer. You don't talk to a transformer before a transformer begins to talk to you. Every time complaining. Instead of complaining, give way to the Holy Spirit. As you are standing there, two hours, the vehicle has moved just from this point to this point. You have been standing. Initially, you were enjoying it. Then you begin to stand on one leg. Then you stand on the other leg. Instead of saying, mm, ah, oh, oh, Jesus, thank you. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. You are not praying God, send an angel to go and clear the way for me, oh. No, 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 no. 
you are saying, thank you for all things work well for good for those that love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. There's a stability he gives you. There's a confidence he gives you. Do, do you understand what I'm talking about? That is why you must grow to enjoy that ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always point to Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus. A cannot believer, a cannot believer, while he's standing there, ah, oh God, hey, why was I not born in Ghana? Oh God, why was it? Then he will remember the news he had during the day that uh, in Iran or in uh, Saudi Arabia, everybody gets a free salary of one thousand dollars every month. Why was I not born in Saudi Arabia? You see his value. If he's in Saudi Arabia, will he know Jesus? The chances are they might not know Jesus. Do, do you understand what I'm talking about? The Bible says in all things, do what? Give thanks. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to do that. Sing that song again. As you sing that song, break suddenly and say, Jesus, I love you. And say with a very lovely voice. Say with a lot of emotions. Even in church, some of us are not able to say it. These are things we must learn. It must become our day-to-day -day practice. So that when you are in the midst of unbelievers, it becomes a witness to that person. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The next ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus talked about is John chapter 16, verse 13. He says, How be it, when he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. I said here, in this verse, Jesus used the example of a tour guide to describe the guided ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The word guide there is the word odega, not the Yoruba odega. Amen. <laughs> a word that describes a tour guide or one who will lead you in an excursion. And he noted here, he says, your willingness to allow the guide to lead and your willingness to follow his direction will save you from many mistakes and from drawing wrong and incorrect conclusions. I'll give you a typical example that happened in my house during the weekend. Uh, during Prisca, my wife has a special wig she wore. Is it weak they call it? Hair. Yeah. Eh? All those, you know. Uh, I didn't know hair can be that expensive. Oh. You get my point? After Prisca, she got home tired that Saturday and dropped the air somewhere. And assumed that the air was dropped in the place she drops the air. I'm talking about the guidance, the, the guiding ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can imagine from that time after the weekend, my wife began to look for the air. She said, Every, I've not seen my air. I'm not, I said, your air is in this house. Nobody took it away. On Saturday, it became a big topic. 
I just look, 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 look. I said, look, this air is in this house. If it is not in this room, it will be in the car. If it's not in the car, then let's come back and search this room. Should I join you to search? I mean, I was very tired, but I wanted to search. Just to make a point that it's in the room. At a point, I said to myself, come on. Why, do I, why must I trouble myself about searching for air? I told her, why didn't you ask the Holy Spirit? He saw where you dropped the air. And true, after she has searched, 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 everywhere was searched except one place. And that place, if you go there, it will take you two hours to come out. <laughs> so she cooled down and said, Holy Spirit, please, where did I keep the air? Show me where I kept it. And uh, when she prayed, she began to worship, began to give God thanks and everything. And uh, I'm using this because <laughs> it's, a, it's an example that all of us can relate with. But as it is with air, it can be with any other thing. Suddenly, two hours later, when her mind don't set to where, where, she was no longer looking for the air. Are you with me? Suddenly, I saw her get up. She went to the dining table. On one bag, on the dining table, she just opened it. The air was there. And she brought it and showed me, this is the air. I said, I said, Where did you get it? Where did you get it? Ah, he said, you know, just like you said. I said, why am I troubling myself? Holy Spirit, please, where did I drop the air? I'm even very sorry I didn't ask you before now. Where did I drop the air? Show me. He said, that time we were sitting down there, just talking something else. Suddenly, I saw myself carry the air, put it in the bag, and drop it on the dining table. And so I didn't want to alert you, so I got up quickly to go and check. And lo and behold, the air was there. The Holy Spirit is a revealer. Stop searching for what is not lost. Ask him. Ask him. That's how you will spend three days looking for one key. Why must you spend? Why? If they say worship him for three days, will you be able to do it? Just ask. What needless burdens we carry when we fail to pray? The Holy Spirit is your friend. His ministry is real. Develop an acquaintance with the Holy Spirit. The problem is that most of us, or some of us, we have not got to the point in which we know that he's real. We need to know that the Holy Spirit is realer. Don't let me use that word because there are some young people here. The Holy Spirit is very real. You must come to recognize, do you know that the Holy Spirit is better than Google Map? Hello? Do you know that the Holy Spirit is better than Google Map? Ask him. When, show me which Google Map would have shown where the air was on the dining table in the house. Hello? I, I, you get what I'm talking about? Beloved of God, don't carry unnecessary burdens. Learn to develop an acquaintance with the Holy Spirit. Carnal Christians, babes, cannot do it. That is why we must seek to grow so that we will enjoy the things that God has made for us for our peace. You want to marry God. Uh, I have uh, Yellow Yellow. What's the name of Yellow Yellow? Sister, let's look for Bible names. Not Michael. Michael is not Yellow. 
Uh -huh. Deborah, sister Deborah. <laughs> sister Felicia and somebody wife. So the Holy Spirit will not go there. <laughs> Praise God. I have Blackie Shadow. Sister who? Sister. The priest guy I know is fair. So Leah, Sister Leah. I have uh, neither yellow nor black. Sister. Now you savvy. And you are there. This one cooks very well. This one does not, cannot. The last time I visited her house, it was very dirty. This one, Labake, is very proud. In fact, everybody knows she's proud. You now begin to take the opinions of men who don't know what happens tomorrow to begin to decide for you. Are you following me? Nah. And as many prophets as you have, others will take, take yellow, yellow. Why? Because they saw that she can cook very well. Others will say, take blacky, blacky. Why? Because she earns a lot of money where she's working. Others will say, take uh, neither yellow nor black. Why? Because she's a better home... Uh, she's proud, but she's a better homemaker. And in the midst of three choices, you become very, you become very, very confused. What do I do? As a child of God, the truth is this. The Bible says that in the multitude of cancers, there is safety. But when you have received all those counsels, take it to the person that knows tomorrow. Believe me, it may be the one that they say is so proud eh, that you should marry. It may be the one that the difference between your age and her age is not more than six months that you should marry. It may be the ones that they said she's retired because she's 30 something, she's retired. Maybe that is the one you. Ah, ah, the other. You begin to remember the stories of Brother S, Brother Y that married somebody in the late 30s, 40s that didn't have a child. You forget to the story of Brother Peter. No, there's no Peter in this house, Abby. <laughs> anyway, the story of Brother X, Y that married a virgin 10 years after, no child, not even one pregnancy. You will remember that one. But God that searches the heart. God that knows. For God's, the Holy Spirit, to lead you, he tells you, go to the one that everybody says is proud. Because for some people, that is just a defense for them. Some people, they don't know, and they need to be taught. And it is something in your life that is to rub off on her and make her to be a better person. That one is too psychedelic. She's too expensive. She'll finish my money. How much money do you have? Are you sure she's not even the one that God will use to lift you up? That is why you must develop an acquaintance now. Now! Before the need arises with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? One of the fastest ways of encouraging the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life is the ministry that he does in glorifying Jesus. You must learn the act of glorifying Jesus. You must learn the act of thanksgiving. You must learn the act of celebrating God. And it is the Holy Spirit that helps you to celebrate God. When there is a need, celebrate God. When there is a challenge, celebrate God. When there is peace, celebrate God. When there is need, celebrate God. When you learn the principle of allowing the Spirit to enable you to celebrate God, there are many things that the Holy Spirit will show you. 
The Holy Spirit is a revealer. Write it down. John 16, 13. Jesus said it will show us things to come. The Holy Spirit is a revealer. He will show us. He's an announcer. He announces what has not come so that you will know and be guided. Number six. John chapter 14, verse 26. The Holy Spirit is a reminder. John 14, 26. Praise God. Look up briefly. John 14, 26. Everybody look up. How many of us have read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John here? Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. We call them the synoptic gospels. All of them had Jesus speaking. Except Mark. Mark was not in their midst. Mark depended on information that he got from the rest. But have you not noticed that they remembered the things that Jesus told them? Have you not noticed it? You will not see one say Jesus went left on a particular occasion and that person said Jesus went right. You won't find it. Why is it they remembered it so clearly? Because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's a place that the Bible talks about the ministry, the, the, the miracle of uh, uh, that blind man son of Timaeus, bad Timaeus. One of the gospels said, as Jesus was coming out of Jericho, another of the gospels, I think Luke, Mark said, as he was coming out of Jericho, Luke said, as he was going into Jericho, there had been a lot of stumbling in that place without finding out what happened. In the Bible, there were two Jerichos in that new, in, within that synoptic gospel era. There was the old Jericho and there is the new Jericho. When Mark was writing, he was writing from the perspective of the old Jericho. As he was coming out of Jericho, the old Jericho. And Luke said, as he was going into Jericho, the new Jericho. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Old number, new number. Praise God. So, that is one place that some people have said, no, 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 there is error. No, there is no error. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to bring remembrance to people. And guess what? When Mark was written, Mark was written in Egypt, Alexandria in Egypt. But you will see them agree. Why? Because of the reminding ministry of the Holy Spirit. If they tell you that your brain is dying, engage the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Or if you find yourself forgetting things too much, engage the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Engage the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And one easy way to engage the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to say what the word has said concerning you and learn to glorify Jesus. That exercise we did is key for the release of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Number seven, quickly. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. Write it down. John chapter 14, 26. When you read your Bible, you don't understand. You read your physics books, you don't understand. You read your chemistry book, you don't understand. You read your literature, you don't. Ask the Holy Spirit to explain to you. And expect him to explain to you. John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. The Holy Spirit, John 15, 26. 
the Holy Spirit, John 15, 26, the Holy Spirit test, helps us in our testimony about Jesus. Never go out to witness for Jesus without asking the Holy Spirit for help. Praise the Lord. I want us to stand. I want us to stand. I just told us now that one of the sure way of triggering the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life is to glorify Jesus. Begin to glorify Jesus in your life now. You are doing it because it is the Holy Spirit that helps you to glorify Jesus. Sing a song to him. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him he's good to you. Tell him he's good to you. And let every part of you be involved. Let every part of you be involved. Oftentimes, when you are stuck and you want a way out, you want to forcefully, let me use that word loosely, forcefully activate the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. Get into worship. Whenever you glorify Jesus, if he was not there before, he will show up in that place. He will show up. Give him glory, give him glory, give him glory. Give him glory. In your understanding, in your understanding. Yes, he can lead you to do it in tongues, but today, do it in your understanding. So that when you go home, when you are in a situation in your office, you don't know what to do. You can be talking to somebody and inside you, you are communicating at a very high level. Glorify Jesus. Glorifying Jesus is one of the quickest ways to activate the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. Remember, you grow. If I learn to glorify Jesus, and I do it often, you find that it will help me to grow. It will bring things to my understanding. I will understand. The information I need to move forward, I'll get it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Lord, let this word sink into us, O God. And let us benefit therein. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated.